0: Welcome to the Gold Standard. My name is Braden Gall and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall.
1: My name is Michael Gallagher. I'm the sports reporter for the Nashville Post and the Nashville scene and you can follow me on Twitter at MG Sports underscore.
0: A lot of stuff to do on the show today, Michael. Of course, this will be our last podcast that does not include preseason final predictions and previewing hockey games. So this is our last technical offseason podcast. We're going to talk Uh, position battles that we are witnessing in camp i'm not sure how many there are but we're going to dive into what decisions john hines and david poyle and company have to make here coming up uh, a week and some change out from traveling to europe which i believe they will do on friday of this week so they're going to be in europe for a full week before the games of course in switzerland and in prague and we've got a lot of stuff to discuss with those position battles we'll talk about practice observations i had a chance to go to practice today we are recording this on Wednesday. You you know, we had a chance to watch some preseason action as well. So, some observations from preseason as well. And welcome back, future CEO, president, owner, head coach, GM, Pekka I, I had a chance to, to say hello to him on Wednesday as well. So, he's back in the building. So, we'll touch on Pekka Rene uh, as well. So, lots of stuff to get to today. You will also hear a very quick conversation that we had with Matthias Eckholm one of the veterans on the team now. So you'll hear a few minutes from at uh, here in just a second. However, before we do any of that, Michael, make sure you go check out the Nashville post, check out the Nashville scene, check out. It's all your fault. Of course, you guys have some, some news coming next week. Possibly we've been teasing this for a while. Is there actually actually going to be news now?
1: Yes, we are recording Megan's farewell episode this coming Monday, and we will announce uh, her replacement host on that episode. There you
0: go. So check out. It's all your fault coming up on, Monday all right um before we do anything else however the gold standard is a predator is a podcast excuse me about the Nashville Predators and it is brought to you by Jaspers that's right it is it's brought to you by Jaspers uh they wanted me to Jaspers wanted me to tell Preds fans something the $10 smash burger and $3 beer deal is back so for all Preds home and road games you can go to Jasper's, pay $0 for parking, pay $0 to walk into the building. And during a home or a road game, you can get a $10 smash burger and $3 beers. You can have three beers and a whole burger, Michael, for less than it costs to park to go to the Preds game. I'm sure Sean Henry loves <laughs> me saying that.
1: As someone who has consumed said Smashburger, it is very good. It is well worth $10. And if you're getting beer for $3, I mean, I don't know anywhere else you can get beer for that cheap.
0: No, not at, not at a... Are you kidding at a restaurant? $3, $3 is what? Like a, like a, like not even a quarter of a beer at Bridgestone Arena?
1: That's, that's what normal restaurants charge for like a fountain drink.
0: <laughs> a kid's lemonade, $3. Yeah. <laughs> you can have a whole beer if you go to Jasper's. The Gold Standard Cocktail is back as well. So make sure you check out that. Uh, But again, I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't go to Preds games at Bridgestone Arena because it's fun. But if you feel perhaps like tickets and going is a big ordeal and costs a lot of money, you could just go to Jasper's. And again, for like 20 bucks, get three beers and a burger and, and still have some money left over for your Uber ride home um so make sure you make sure you go to Mm -hmm. jasper's they also have the game room of course as well so lots of stuff to do for the kids and the spouse and the friends and the family and the coworkers. make sure you go check out jasper's during preds games home and road all season long great deals also we are brought to you by weiss liquor speaking of uber if you go to uber eats and you search weiss liquors they will deliver the booze directly to your house in as little as 20 minutes michael have you ever ordered booze to your house
1: I have not. I don't really drink alcohol a lot. So that's, that's kind of, a shame. Out of my out of my element. I I did a lot of partying in college and I consumed quite a bit in college. And I think that was enough to last me into my like 90s. I, I'm just, I
0: just, I, I don't, I'm not sure I trust people that don't drink, honestly. Like, uh, I, res- I respect those who, who are, who not, who don't drink because of like real reasons. Right. But I'm not like
1: one of those people that's like, "ew, alcohol, get it away from me." I just, I, <laughs> I've had quite a bit in my life, and unless it's a special occasion or like right. I, I just want to unwind, I'm, I'm, I'm usually more just give me some water or juice or something. Juice,
0: okay, all right, uh, big sounds- juice, juice guy right here, big, big juice guy. Yes, uh, we'll talk about him on the pod as well today on this show, <laughs> uh, because there are there is some goalie. Uh, I don't want to controversy is not the right word. There is some goalie conversation to be had on this here podcast so weiss liquors if you pop in right there on on east uh on gallatin main street right there in east nashville say 440 at checkout you get 10 percent off that's tax-free booze so support local businesses more importantly jaspers and weiss liquors locally owned and operated in this city for a long long time weiss almost 100 years for top hospitality for a very long time Uh, amerigo has been in this city for a long time so uh, again go to jaspers use weiss liquors check out our awful awesome and amazing sponsors okay we're going to talk Pekarene. We're going to talk position battles. We're going to talk practice observations, preseason observations. But before we do, I had a chance to catch up catch up with Matthias Ekholm uh, after practice on Wednesday, and just a couple of minutes here. But here was my conversation with the Predators defenseman, Matthias. Now, this stage of your career, have you approached a preseason camp this this stage of the season any differently? Are you doing anything strategically that changes how you get ready for a season?
2: I think you always try to evolve and be better. I mean, obviously I'm 32 now, so I'm just trying to keep up. This this is a league of speed, so um, you don't tend to be quicker as the years go on, but um, just trying to keep focusing on that in the off season and work on my speed. And, and to, to keep it up, I think it's a strength of my game. So uh, but other than that, it's more of more of the same. The, I mean, I've been through these camps and, and this one is a bit different, though. It's shorter. Uh, obviously, we're going to Europe, so. Um, yeah, it's it's a bit different, but I'm trying to. I mean, you got to look at what the league is trending towards, and I think it's speed that's the biggest thing that people they kind of have to get out of the league is the people they can't keep up with the speed. So that's um, that's been my focus, and and just you got to keep up with these young guys.
0: It seems like the practices have been pretty hard. Lots of energy. Certainly today was fast. Do, do you sense that there is more team speed in general with this group? I know it's I know it's early.
2: I think so, and I think especially when, when you get the pr- chance to practice with the younger guys, you see there's, I mean, everybody can skate, that's uh, literally what it is. So um, it's it's really good to, to get these, it, they're almost overpaced practices, if you can call it that, because there's so many young guys that want to show what they could, they got and show get a good impression, uh, and for us, it's it's a really good measuring stick with us keeping up with that speed. So it's uh, it's been a good mix so far, and uh, yeah, it's been fun. You played with with PK a couple of years, and you guys locked down defensive pairing.
0: Do you do you feel any similarities with Ryan in terms of how you guys might work together? Is that do you do you, do you take a, a different approach to how you play that role, knowing that that might be something you guys are doing this year?
2: Not really. I think PK and Ryan are very different players. Um, PK was more offensive minded, probably than than Ryan is, and Ryan was probably more. Uh, uh, a pretty, pretty close to who, the way I want to play my game. Um, so it's it's different. It may be a bit the same because it's I mean coming in playing with someone that's been in the league for a while and uh, know what their game is, and then you can always just literally know how he's playing. It's not going to change when he's been 12, 13 years in the league. So um, just trying to find chemistry, uh, whether it, it'll be with him or whether it be with someone else I'm playing with. I mean, for me, it's a bit of a change to go on the right side. So I'm just trying to focus on myself and get, get my game going and, and then build chemistry from there. All right. A little
0: conversation with one of the um, longest tenured Nashville predators uh, came up when he was 22 back when Hal Gill was playing. And I, I think in a couple of interesting notes there, I, and, and we can kind of parlay this into practice observations. I don't know what you've seen preseason games. Great article, by the way, by you up on the post, everyone should go read it uh, reaction from the preseason games. I feel like this team's a little faster. It feels like they're a little bit more dynamic, and I don't know if that's just the energy levels at practice, but Matthias Ekholm talked about it there a little bit. Speed is the name of the game. You got to skate. You got to have quickness and tempo, and this team does feel like watching practice and watching the preseason games. I don't know about you, but it does feel like this team is a little bit faster, at least to the naked eye.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think that's a direct response to the butt kicking they got in the playoffs by the Avalanche. The Avalanche, probably one of the fastest, if not the fastest team in the NHL. And I think the Predators, I think the last two years, John Hines has been like, okay, we know how to be physical. We've worked on that. Now we need to work on skating because physicality is way up here. Skating is kind of middle of the road. And I think that that's something that they've worked on a lot. I think you will see that the defensive pairings I think you'll see that with kind of the forward groups as well you're going to see matchups which matchups can they play that present them a chance to be faster than the other team because that's really the only area they truly lacked last year was their speed a lot of other teams were able to skate circles around them because the Predators were worried about hitting people well you can't hit what you can't catch and I think that's a direct response to the avalanche series is they wanted to find ways to get faster to skate quicker to work in the transition a lot better than they did last year.
0: Well, and you heard Eckholm talk about the younger players, especially those guys being faster. It's also a function of when you go watch prospects, and I don't know if you noticed this as well, because I know you've been out there as well, but there's not a lot to watch on defense. There's not a yeah. lot of position, there's not a lot of position battles, and there's not a lot of prospects to, to keep an eye on. There's a lot to watch on offense, and there's there's more of them, and it's far deeper. We've talked about all the names ad nauseum, whether it's Huntington or you know, Afanasiev or you know, whatever the num- the names are, there's a lot of them. There's just a lot of bodies on offense that are hungry, young, and talented, and that is not necessarily something we've been able to say about a Preds team during training camp, really, like, ever, almost.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a team that's always known for its defensemen and its goaltenders, and they usually, if they have a a boatload of them in the NHL, and they have quite a few in the pipeline, and this is probably the first year where you could say the forward depth is the strength of this team, both on the NHL roster and in in their pipeline, and I think that's kind of something that, David Hoyle's put a little bit of emphasis on in drafting players like Luke Evangelista, uh, Igor Afanasyev, L.A. Tolvanen, Cody Glass. All the the acquisitions that he's making, these guys, they, they have two things in common. They can score and they have speed. And I think that's where the Predators, I think that's where their identity is transitioning now. I'm not saying they're going to get away from the physicality, rock and suck and robot mentality. But I think they're trying to add that as another tool to their toolbox, if you want to go with that analogy there.
0: That's a good analogy. I'm okay with that. You got you got you got to have a lot of tools in the toolbox. Um, so I think the speed was the one of my pra- main practice observation was just that there is more talent on offense. I'm not sure how much of it's going to make the roster. We'll talk about the position battles coming up in just a second, but they're bigger too. Like there's a lot of big dudes. <laughs> there's a lot of 6-3, yeah. 6-4, 6'5", guys. There's a lot of big ones, but it's just mostly. a um, a lot of speed on the front end. How much of that makes the roster? Again, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, You've been asking and kind of comparing the Ryan McDonough-Matthias Ekholm pairing to the P.K. Subban-Matthias Ekholm pairing from the cup run and from a couple years ago. And so I kind of wanted Ekholm to sort of compare and contrast what it would be like to play with those two different guys. And, you know, I think he certainly alluded to playing with P.K. when he says playing with P.K. Subban, you know, a lot more offensive, very different player. It You know, a lot of watching when P.K. Subban's on the ice. I think your analogy is still valid that they were a lockdown, shutdown pairing. But it do, when you hear Matthias Ekholm say things like, I don't have to worry at all about where Ryan McDonough is ever going to be. He is always going to be in the right place. I think that speaks to what you are driving at, which is that this Ekholm-McDonough pairing could be just the thing you put out there against the other team's best players. And they, you can trust them to do the job basically every shift.
1: Yeah, and, I, and that's kind of what, what I was trying to to explain. Without PK Subban and Ryan McDonough are two different players. Ryan McDonough is your more typical stay at home defenseman. Like like Ekholm said, like you know where he's going to be ninety nine percent of the time. PK Subban took a little bit more liberties. He was more creative with the puck. He was also all over the place. He liked to be the star of the show. So if he was, there's a chance that Subban was going to jump on the rush and potentially score a goal. He was going to take it. Ryan McDonough is not that kind of player. So my analogy comparing those two is they're both shut down pairings in my, in my opinion. And I, and I understand that they, they're different players, but I think the potential of having the success with Ekholm and McDonough that you had when you played Ekholm and Subban is just too good to pass up. And I mean, we saw a little bit, Matthias Ekholms talked about switching over to the right side. It's something he said he's done before he's comfortable with. He's Let's not, you know, rewrite history. He's done it for like five or six games. It's not like he has a season of playing on the right side. It, it right. will be a different switch to him. And he's even said, you know, playing on the right side is different. He's like, if you get a, on a you win a face-off and the puck comes back to you, suddenly it's it's on your you're on the opposite side. If a puck bounces off the boards or whatever, it's on a different side. You can't just do one timer. Like like there's a lot of factors that go into this. But if if you play Ecclum and McDonough together, what regardless of which side Ecclum is on, I think that is your best shutdown defensive pairing. And honestly, if you go and get into a playoff series against the Avalanche, you're gonna need that. You're you're going to need your two. I mean, you got to keep in mind too. Ekholm and McDonough—they were, I think, they were one and two in the most shorthanded minutes played per game last year. You're going to need your basically your two best penalty killers on the ice playing against teams like Colorado, especially when you get into the playoffs. And I just think the the potential for that pairing is better than anything that you would get with with McDonough and Yossi, and you would get with McDonough and Carrier or McDonough and, and fill in the blank.
0: Well, it was uh, it was nice to actually like walk into a Predators locker room and actually get to talk to players. Uh, that was interesting, yeah. and because like that's the first time we've been able to do that for the National Predators in a long time. If we're uh, back it's been, in twenty nineteen. It's been years, so to actually just like walk in and like just be able to have a conversation with somebody, um, get a couple of minutes, and and uh, again, not not a you know, Matthias Ekholm's not like breaking <laughs> breaking news or anything. Uh, but I thought it was interesting. And the other thing you can't see because it's a podcast is the way his, his face when he says well pk was a very different player <laughs> like his yeah. eyes his eyes kind of went up and he was like you could just tell he wanted to be like yeah i never had any clue where he was going to be um and i PK, feel like i know pk
1: definitely made ekholm's job a lot more more difficult <laughs> yeah,
0: yes <laughs> uh yes but i mean obviously very complimentary so a couple of other observations here uh from practice uh, something else
1: on that too before we move on yeah, john yeah. hines said that they are looking at playing Matias Ekholm on the right side a lot more this year. So I don't think it's a given that Ekholm and McDonough will be that pairing. I think they will be that pairing for most of the season. But I don't think, one, if that is the case, I don't think they're going to be paired together the entire season. And two, I think we're going to see a lot more of moving Matias Ekholm around because I think that probably gives the Predators better matchups defensively than moving
0: anyone else around. Yeah, I I agree. and Because they need to move somebody. That yeah. one, one guy has to play offhand. Like that's going to have to happen if they want to get their best. I think if they want to get their best six guys onto the ice and we'll talk and John, again,
1: and John Hines even said that they're, they're going to play McDonough with Yossi. So I think either on Thursday in Thursday's game or Friday's preseason game, that's probably one of the pairings you will see just to kind of see what happens. But at McDonough, when they played against Florida, they had a great game. I think they shut down the Matthew Kachuk, Sam Reinhardt, Sam Bennett line. They had five shots on goal, zero points. They really couldn't do much. They kind of shut them down pretty well. So I think moving forward, that's your best pairing. But I think we will see throughout the you know the two or three preseason games that are left, you will we will see McDonough moved around a lot, and we might see Eckholm on the right side with a different you know line mate here and there, just to, just to see what options are available.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's valid as as well. Um, so there's a lot of position. There's not as many position battles to get into, but kind of where are they going to fall? We'll get into some of that. What do we think the starting lineup is going to look like? Uh, a couple of other, w- one other quick observation from practice before I want to get your thoughts on some what you've seen in the preseason games. And, and that is some of the line combinations for special teams. I got a chance to watch some special teams practice. Uh, and I want to get your thoughts on some of these pairings. So obviously the first power play line I think is what everybody expects it to be. Right. R- Roman Yossi, Philip Forsberg at the point, you got Johansson, Duchesne and Granlund at the, at the, you know, basically the top line there um, playing on the top, the first line. I thought the second line was interesting. And the first power, the first penalty kill line was, you Sissons at McDonough. I think that, that sounds about right <laughs> from the first penalty kill line. So that, that was fun to watch those two groups go head to head. I thought this was interesting though. And, I'm not saying this because I think it means he's going to make the roster or be in this position, but they went with Philip Tomasino, Nino Niederreiter, and then they had Yusei Parson in as the center on the second power play line. And I I say that not to say that that's the job he's going to have and that he's going to have that job right out of camp. I say it to, to Michael, you've been talking about this guy for a while. He played well in the preseason games. He is like, I know a lot of people like this guy. To he he was they had him up on the lines with all the other guys practicing. It again, it does not mean he is going to make the team right away, but what it tells me is that they like him, that all the things that you've seen and all the things that I've seen and everybody else has seen, that it's all very real and that he is going to play for the National Predators at some point this season. Um that that's sort of that, that was another observation in terms of the, the the special teams uh when they when they had a joint practice between all the players, he was the second center out there on the power play.
1: Yeah, I think that it just shows that the coaching staff is really high on Parson, and as they should be, he he has looked really good in development camp and in rookie camp and in the prospect showcase and now in training camp playing against some of the other teams, um, you know, regular roster players, and I think it's something that, I mean, he 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 looked really good in, in the doubleheader against against the Panthers, I think he scored, he had a goal and an assist, two shots on goal, I um, think he played the fourth most minutes of, of, of any of the forwards, and I think the thing that you're seeing is he's a very versatile player. They used him, I think it was three minutes on the power play and a minute and a half on the penalty kill. Uh, and I, I kind of compare that to like a Colton Sissons or a Tanner Janot. You you can never have too many well-rounded two-way forwards. And I think that's something that you're seeing. And I think the Predators coaching staff probably keyed in on that. It was like, hey, this kid's really good. He's also very versatile. Let's try him out and see where he excels at more Maybe it's on the power play. Maybe it's on the penalty kill. Maybe it's neither. And I think that's kind of something that we're seeing with Parson in particular. I, I I'm not saying he's a lock to make the fourth line out of camp. I think it's a good possibility. I think he has a good as good a shot as anyone else to make that fourth line, given what we've seen from him. He's he's kind of just shot up up the you know the organization and just from where he's been the last three or four years playing over in Finland to where he is now. Um, but I do think he's someone who will be a part of this team. And be in the regular plans, maybe on the fourth line or maybe up on the second line, depending on on how he does once he gets called up here. But I do think he he works into their future plans going
0: forward. I I think so. We're going to talk about this when we get to position battles. Uh, Backup goaltender. I'm not sure there's a defenseman position battle. There's maybe like a a rotational battle, but there's not really like a spot outside of the top eight, really, uh, on (laughs) the team. Um, I do think backup goaltenders is worth talking about, so we can talk about that. But at the fourth I line...
1: A, I do have a take on that that may be considered hot. We'll, we'll oh, say. okay.
0: So we'll have goaltender yeah. position battle, and we'll have fourth line position battle, which is really like 14 guys battling for three spots. That's yeah. what, what it feels like. So we'll get into the position battles in just a second. Um, before we get to your preseason observations, however, the Gold Standard is a podcast about the national predators, and it is in fact brought to you by... Jaspers. That's right. It's brought to you by Jaspers. West End. Yep. How much is the parking cost? It is free. Are they are there special things that you can do there that don't involve food or sporting events or beer? I, I hear they have
1: a foosball table.
0: Foosball? Uh air actually no, they have they have the best air hockey table in the city. Bar none, full stop. Best air hockey table in the city. That's a that's a bold claim. I'm just saying it's I, a lot of a lot of air hockey tables have those dead spots, you know where people like steve cavendish have been putting their drink you know and like trapping the puck and slamming the stuff down and like none of that's that, acceptable that cavendish guy yeah what a pain in my ass um go to jaspers everybody the parking is free of course and look you're gonna need a place to watch preds games because you're not gonna pay for the stupid subscription streaming service uh if you've cut the cord you're you know you're you're, you're also got to pay a bunch of money if you want to go to a game it's really expensive just go to jaspers just park for free you got the fi- the 10 dollar smash burger the 3 dollar beers you got a it's a great place for happy hour it's a great place before the game it's a great place during the game it's a great place after the game it's if there's anyone place- out
1: there like me that enjoys a cleanly place it's very clean
0: <laughs> very underrated part of my jasper's experience <laughs> you talked about that last time like wait a second it smelled nice it well, it's, a, it's a restaurant it's not it, it, and again this is a, a thing that jasper's is solving cuz a lot of sports bars You know, they get some smoky, sticky, gross kind of bar food. And it's just not a great atmosphere. That's the exact opposite of Jasper's.
1: Nothing will kill a vibe more than walking into a bar and taking like and breathing it in and just getting like hints of downtown. That's terrible.
0: So I had to do uh, I haven't had to do this in a long time where you had to come home and like shower out of your clothes because it was (laughs) there was smoking allowed. You know, like I haven't been to a smoking allowed bar in so long. And during Americana Fest, I went with a buddy of mine to watch a concert for a few minutes, like late night at like a dive joint that I haven't been to in like 10 years. And they were smoking aloud. And I came home and, and it was like 1130 and my wife's like sleeping in the bed. She's like, why are you showering? And I'm like, because all my clothes smell like cigarette smoke and my my hair, sm- I, what little hair I have left smells like cigarette smoke. And I, I couldn't believe I felt like I was in college again. It's the actual worst. When I was was in graduate
1: school, I had a job where I was uh, I was doing promotions and we had to go to bars and talk to people every night I had to come home and shower before bed. And when I finally quit that job two years later, my eyes were so red that people (laughs) thought that I was on drugs, but it was literally the secondhand smoke was like tearing
0: apart my eyeballs. Go terrible. go to Jasper's where you will not look like you're on drugs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> major selling point. It's clean and you won't look like you're on on fentanyl. It's a it's a great place to go. go watch the game. I'm sold uh, already. You're welcome, Jasper's. <laughs> you're you're welcome. Uh, of course, uh, we'll, we'll also Weiss Liquors, of course, over there in East Nashville as well. So check them both out. Check out Jasper's. Check out Weiss. Uh, okay, other observations before we get to position battles. Other observations from the preseason from practice I know you've had a few and this is going to lead us into some position battle conversation but your main observations so far through a couple of preseason games are
1: I don't know if I have a main one I will I I'll give you like I'll give you two so my first one my my the first one of my main two I thought the Nino Niederreiter, Ryan Johansson, Philip Tomasino line looked really good and I know it was just one game and it's preseason and all this other stuff, but Nino Niederreiter and Ryan Johansson have that natural chemistry from when they play together in the junior leagues. And I think you throw someone who's offensively skilled like Philip Tomasino on that line. And that I think that will if, if they keep the top line with Granlin and Duchesne and Forsberg, and you keep that Johansson line from what we saw in the preseason game, I think for the first time, probably... And I hate going back to this because I I can't stand Mike Ribero at all. But he did have 63 assist season, so that like was that such, was a good line.
0: But he was such a high quality individual.
1: So yeah, um, but it, I I think this could be the first time since Mike Ribero's 60 assist season that they've ha- they will have depth scoring in their top two lines, and that's that that was their Achilles heel last year. It was all on whoever the top line was to produce. I think they they had what it was a goal, three points, and five shots on goal you know, collectively. Um, and I think that's probably my main takeaway is that was the line they rolled with right at the gate. I think that's kind of where they're leaning to be the second line. And I think it's going to be a really good third line. It the kind of question we went back and forth asking each other was it, we kind of thought it was going to be Niederreiter and Johansson who was going to be the other, the other guy up there, Tolvenin could have got gotten a look. There's a couple other guys that they probably could have given a look. We questioned, do they move Tanner no up there and break up the herd line because Tanner you Can be a top six forward. I think we established that a podcast or two ago when we were talking about it, but I think it's kind of, this is Philip Tomasino's year there. It's like, okay, kid, go show us what you got. And I think that's going to be a really good, a really good steady second scoring line for them.
0: So basically, and I, that's, I'm glad you went with that one because that's, that's where I was going to go. Because not only does that is that a nice blend of skill, speed, size, experience, and talent, you, with some youth, youthful exuberance. It's really it kind of checks every box. A second line that we haven't seen very often from this organization, from a pure investment dollar standpoint and talent standpoint. But they also had Johansson and Niederreiter paired up in every single drill in practice. So like they do these little things, they do these little two on twos, right. To kind of warm everybody up. It's one of the first drills they do. They do sort of the breakout drills. They do sort of like rush drills. They do all these different drills and then they do special teams and they do all these different drills. And every single time with the exception of the top power play line where they had the two of them separated, Nino Niederreiter and Ryan Johansson have been, have been playing together every single time they're on the ice. They are with each other during practice and so far in preseason games. So I think it's a fair bet that that, that is going to be your second line. And I don't know, like, I, you know, I know we do this every year. We get excited about the team and we look at potential and, you know, it's easy to get sucked into that. But if Ryan Johansson is as good as he was last year, and if Nino Niederreiter is as good as he was in Carolina, or at least let's say 85, 90% of what he was. And Philip Tomasino is five, 10, 15% better because he's a year older. And it's his second full season in the NHL. That's as good a second line as I've seen in this organization ever have from a talent standpoint.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's – if you're John Hines, that's what you want. I I'm, i don't know what those closed-door meetings were like with David Boyle, but I assume at some point John Hines went to him and said, get me a second line forward that Ryan Johansson can feed the puck to and can put up 20 to 30 goals. And he did that with Nino Niederreiter. And I think – we we saw this a little bit with Ellie Tolvin two years ago, and we saw it with Tomasino in, in like, spurts last year. Both of those guys, they're, they're young prospects and they play their best hockey when they're playing with other offensively gifted players. And I think this is going to be probably the best thing for Philip Tomasino's development is playing with Johansson, playing with Nita Ryder, getting top six minutes now. Because, I mean, we saw last year he was very, very productive on the fourth line. He, it was Nick Cousins, Luke Cunnan, McCarron, whoever they threw out there. His game didn't really change. He was very consistent, which I think was good. He had 30 something points. That I think that was a very good rookie year. I I wouldn't be surprised this year if Tomasino flirts with 20 goals and, and 45 to 50 points, just based That's off of who he's playing with.
0: If you're gonna play in that line with those guys, you know, and you're gonna get, I don't know what, 13 minutes a night, 14 minutes a night, you're you're probably gonna get put those kind of numbers up. So again, yeah. I, I I'm trying to like I, 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 having seen the team in the preseason and watch practice, I feel like this is a more talented, more explosive, more dynamic team than I've seen in a while, especially in the last couple of years since the cup after sort of, it kind of started to go down the opposite direction. And obviously that was the goal of David Poyle was to put together a, t- a roster that was more talented than, and especially faster than we've seen in a while. And they, they, the practices have been very intense. They've been very energetic on purpose. They, they went, they went really hard last week because Obviously, they have a very short camp season this year traveling to Europe. Um, and so I'm trying to like hedge, you know, in my head, Michael, like to say like, man, I'm don't get excited about this. Don't get over over the top about this. Yeah. But that second line, that feels like something we haven't seen in a while because Johansson's a true number one center. Uh, and it's almost a luxury that Grandlin can play on the top like that. And you can drop him down to the second line. Niederreiter yeah. is a professional top six winger and Tomasino has more upside and talent than we've seen in a long time. So
1: and I think the thing with that too is Grant like you already know what Granlund and Rider can do. I think they played four or five years together in Minnesota. Yeah. That was extensively longer than Johansson had. So I think that's why we're seeing Johansson and Niederreiter joined at the hip if you will during practice and in camp and stuff because they do have a little bit of chemistry from when they played together, but the junior leagues was almost a decade ago now for both of them. And I think Joe or I think uh, Granlund and Rider, their history is more recent. So I think that's kind of what we're seeing. And in, in, this is what camp is for. Try some of the stuff out. See what you have. You get 15 games of the season. It's just not working out. Then you know you have the luxury of moving Granlin down there, who also has chemistry with Niederreiter, and that second line will probably improve. And you can move Johansson up to the first line, and he'll play with Forsberg and Duchesne, who we know he can score with because they did it in the postseason. They did it last year in different points as well.
0: And, and no signs, by the way, that the third line is going to be touched, which I think is the right decision for now. I know we kind of toyed with the idea that 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 they have ability to go up, but uh, yeah, do you, they look
1: have... awfully impressive in, in their in their game as well. I think they had what was it? They combined for two goals, seven seven shots, eight hit <clears throat> excuse me, eight hits, and they each played a minute or more on the penalty kill. I mean, we yeah. talked about a couple a couple of weeks ago, like. We would expect to see that third line take a step forward and we could see at least a, a 10 to 15 point jump from where, where they were last year. Because Taylor Janot, I think he went 15, 20 games at the end of the year last year without scoring. Like, I think that line is just going to be even more impressive this year.
0: It's one of my favorite lines as a, as a predator. If, if I want to take the media hat off and put a fan hat on and just go back for the 25 years of watching this team, it is one of my favorite collections of players. I've always really liked Colton Sissons. Just I like that, that type of player in the NHL and like Tanner Janot and Yaakov Trennan are just two of my favorite types of players. And to watch this really got game. lost so.
1: in the shuffle before that herd line was established. He was bouncing around, you know, first through yeah. first through fourth line and he never really had like a role. Now he has a role. And I think he's really coming to his own because he has that role and he knows what what's expected of him.
0: All right. Is your second observation have to do with backup goaltending or the fourth line?
1: Um, I can give you one for each, but I think my no, second, no, no. Observation I, I want you to
0: hold up. I want you to hold off on those two. Because those two are going to be our primary conversation about position battles today.
1: Okay, well, my second one, has—it it is a goalie. It doesn't have to do with the backup because I don't think Askarov is going to be a backup this year. But my second observation, you you can't help you. Yuroslav Askarov is one of those guys that when he's on the ice, he makes you notice him. And, and Chris Mason talked about it on It's All Your Fault a couple of months ago. We had him on. And and, and no disrespect to Pekarina or UC Saros, but I think Askarov from post to post is probably the most explosive goaltender this franchise has ever had. Just his quickness, his agility, his side-to-side skating, everything that he can do. And I don't want to overreact to just one showing, and and he didn't play a lot last year. But I think, like, the chains have been taken off of him. He's only 20, but he stopped all 12 shots that he faced, including two both that he had on the power play. And I know there's a lot of hype around him. He's been called the next carry price and stuff. But when you watch him, you notice him, and you know how good – you notice how good he is, and that you see the potential that just drips from this kid. And I I don't want to – Get it too ahead of myself, but i I think that, like there's no denying he's the future starting goaltender. I think if UC Saros keeps playing the way he has been the next couple of years, I don't think that's enough to to keep him and, and send Askarov somewhere else. I think he's gonna be too good and he's so young. I, I think that was just the other big takeaway is just you, you keep, every time you watch him, he does something and you're just like, oh my gosh, wow, that was amazing. I, I need to find a replay of that. He had he had a save, a kick save that he was at the left goal post and it, within like half a second was back over. Made this amazing save. Go find the video. Someone has it on Twitter. It was amazing. But I think that was my second big takeaway was Askarov is is just so impressive.
0: Uh, If you check out the 440 account, I I posted a video of Pecorine working with uh, Askarov before practice started. And I agree. One of the first part of the reason I wanted to go watch the, the A group practice was he was in that group. Can you imagine how good he
1: will be just with his natural talent? And then he's got Pecorino coaching him on top of that. Like the sky's the limit
0: there. Coaching him in a special alumni (laughs) advisory role. We'll get to that in a second as well. Um, But no, I think it's noticeable. He's, he's absolutely, you notice it. Now, this is a good way for us to segue into some of the position battle conversations. So, um, make make sure you... you Before we do that, make sure you check out Weiss Liquors, of course. Support our local sponsors, local businesses. Weiss Liquors. Uber Eats. Search Weiss Liquors. Have the booze delivered directly to your door in as quickly as 20 minutes. Uh, and of course, locally owned and operated for almost 100 years in East Nashville right there on Main Street, Gallatin Road. And if you pop in the store, make sure you say 440 at checkout and you can get yourself 10% off. So that's tax-free booze or booze delivered right to your house. I don't know. That's like having a star prospect and Rene to coach him at the same time. So either way, go check out Weisslicker. So this position battle, which it does not include Escarra, there's no, there's no, there's no way it includes him. I agree with you. Yeah, but it does, as he is very noticeable at, at, at practice and in preseason games. You can see the talent, and and Pekka spent a lot of time with him because he was with um, uh, Cooley, Devin Cooley, and um you see saros in the first group and so Pekka spent a lot of time with Ascaroff, and i it was he he all right i guess we got to include peccarine in this conversation um cuz if we're going to talk goalies and we're going to talk backups and it sounds like you got a hot take we have to include the fact that peccarine is basically doing everything a coach is doing he is out there dressed like a coach skating during practice talking to players during practice working on footwork and skating and positioning and drills like he for all intents and purposes he he I don't know if it's legal or if he's not allowed to have a certain title or something because the NHL doesn't allow it I don't know what the rules are uh but he's coach coach Rene is out there working with these goaltenders and uh, you know again he's probably going to take Sean Henry's job David Poyle's job he's probably going to you know buy the buy the team from you know Bill Frist like whatever like he's or or uh, not Bill Frist what am I Bill Haslam Bill Haslam um he's going to be all those things, but he's clearly out there coaching and you can just like, he's such a good personality for coaching that this team is going to benefit in a huge way from having him around. Um, So huge news to have him in the building. The question is who is going to be the backup goaltender, Michael?
1: (laughs) I mean, that's, that's a great question. I, the, the sense that I get from being around them and watching them practice, I I think it's going to be Kevin Lankinen. I think Connor Ingram has an outside shot, but I mean, he's going to need the performance of his life over the next couple of preseason games. And he's going to need Lincoln to be mediocre for, for that to happen. I think the issue and then I'm not reporting anything just from stuff I've heard here and there. I think the issue with Ingram is he did have that year where he checked into the player assistance program. He has had some personal demons that he's been battling through. I think that the concern with him is, is he ready is he mature enough to handle being a backup goaltender in the NHL? And with UC Saros, he's not going to start 67, 68 games like he did last year. I think you're looking at wanting to get at least 30 starts, maybe 35 starts from your backup goalie this year. I think the concern is, is Connor Ingram emotionally mature enough to handle that right now? Because you don't want to put too much on the kid, have him collapse under the pressure, fall yeah. back into old habits, and have him check back into that program again. I think Kevin Lincoln in, is a solid insurance policy. I think he can give you what you wanted of a backup goalie. Like he's already, he's already miles better than David Riddick was last year. He played on a bad Blackhawks team, so I know his numbers are bad. But when you when you get down and you look into some of some of do a deep dive on some of his numbers, it's not as bad as it initially looks. But I think my I guess this comes into my quote unquote hot take here is I could see Devin Cooley getting NHL minutes and I could see him passing up Connor Ingram and I could potentially see him working
0: Lincoln in to take that backup spot. Wow. That is a hot take. All right. When when you, when you say could see it happening, that that sounds like you're kind of couching the whole thing. Like you still think it's Lincoln in, right? Okay. If if you want me, do you want me to put a percentage on it? Well, I'm just curious. Like, what, what is the, so the hot take would be like Devin Cooley takes the backup job midway through the season? By the and end
1: J- of the season, Devin Cooley will be the backup goalie for the Predators.
0: Wow. Okay. That's a hot take. And not, I can't not Connor Ingram and not the guy they signed.
1: That's and a hot I, take. And I, I don't, I, the chances of that happening, I realize probably aren't super high, but I, I see a path to that happening. The way I see the, the backup goalie job work competition working out now is Lincoln and wins it. Ingram doesn't get it. Then you're looking at Cooley and Ingram and Askarov in Milwaukee. You have three goaltenders for one starting spot and one backup spot. I think the plan is to get yeah. Askarov as much playing time as you can. So I think if Connor Ingram doesn't win the backup job, we're going to see him traded. He, he's he's too good to be in the AHL, but he's not quite ready enough to be an NHL starter. So I, I could see the Predators trading him to another team that needs a quality backup or someone where they just have terrible goaltending and maybe he could go start. But I, I think Lankinen starts as the backup, and if he has a season, if he, if he's Chicago Blackhawks, Kevin Lankinen, he's terrible, and he, he's basically like David Riddick. I could see them calling up Cooley and Cooley doing enough to hold on to that job because Cooley played outstanding in the playoff run for the Admirals last year. He, I think, in his in the preseason game, he stopped eighteen to twenty shots in just over thirty minutes. I think he's someone that is overlooked because you have Vomacca, you have Askarov, you have Ingram, you have a really good pipeline in in net there. And I think that Cooley often gets overlooked, but he played really well for the admirals last year.
0: So it's more a function of like, almost like process of elimination. Like we just don't think Lincoln might be, he just might not be good enough. And then if Ingram is, I have my concerns
1: of whether Lincoln can be a a quality backup. I, I think you take the chance because of the potential. He played on a really bad Blackhawks team and he was still his rookie year in the conversation for the Calder trophy. Like I think the potential's there. But again, potential is just a, such a dangerous word and, right. and you don't know what you're getting. he's a wild card.
0: Yeah. and, and so if, so if if the potential's not realized, and if Ingram is too good to keep on the bench but but to your point, which is an interesting needle to thread because what we're saying is or what you're saying is is that Ingram is good enough to be trade bait and valuable in a trade as an asset and valuable to another team to either be a backup or a potential starter. But there's still some concerns about maturity potentially. Again, you're not reporting that, but like that's, yeah. that, that's just like sort of you know some speculation here on the podcast. That, that's, a, that's a pretty thin, fine needle to thread there. I, I, I see where you're going with it all. I am curious if Ingram I, I I'm trying to figure out how to say this. I could see Ingram benefiting and needing to be a player who plays regularly who has a regular rotation of starts yeah. because he's good enough to have earned that opportunity. Is it, is the AHL not going to help him in that, in that regard? And that could be where he's at, in which case then he is an asset and you could trade him, but then don't you want to just give UC Saros more breaks and just give him more reps. And so that he's starting more often. I mean, isn't that what you want with counter Connor Ingram is that he's good enough to beat out Laken in. And then he's, he's just able to start or he's able to get, you know, start 25, 20 games or 25 games.
1: Yeah. I mean, ideally you want UC Saros to be playing less, but if you're putting in backup goaltenders that aren't good and you're losing games because of it, we, we saw this last year, this happened a lot. And that's why I think UC Saros played as many games as he did because the games that he wasn't in, they were, the predators were losing and it ultimately cost them playoff seating because of that. So I think the way that this is shaking out, is they trust Kevin Lankinen more than they trust Connor Ingram. And you got to look at it this way, too. A lot of people yeah. think of Connor Ingram as a prospect. The kid's gonna be 26 soon. I think he's <laughs> got a couple months before his 26th birthday. Like he's no longer a prospect, he is a grown NHL player. He needs to be on an NHL roster because, like I said, it's the Daniel Carr phenomenon where you're too good for the AHL, but you're not quite ready for the NHL and you don't know where to go. If Askarov wasn't if Askarov wasn't on the Milwaukee Admirals roster, this wouldn't be an issue because you could give Ingram the bulk of the yeah. of the minutes a goal in the AHL, and that wouldn't be an issue. But Askarov is going to be that, that workhorse kind of goalie for the Admirals. So I think that's Connor Ingram is just he's a victim of, of the numbers game. There's just too many goaltenders and not enough spots between the NHL and the AHL roster for this kid. And I, I could honestly yeah. see him being traded sometime by the beginning of the season or maybe into the season.
0: Fascinating. It is a much bigger debate with more names than i think we anticipated at the end of last season because now they've signed somebody developed somebody else developed a third guy and have now acquired their prize prospect from russia so like they they, like they they just have a lot of options which is a good a good situation to be in but you do want a guy that can that that is i mean obviously a uc sorrow situation is like a dream scenario where you get a 20 where you get a 22 year old who's you know, speaks the same language from the same country as your rock star starter. And all of a sudden you're their roommates. And like, there's just no, I, I still think people take for granted how good of a transition that all was Yeah, for from sure. like the greatest player in franchise history who is now of course the coach, um, your, your thoughts on special alumni advisor Pecarine being back in the building. It is weird to see him. Um, you know, he walked by and we said hello for a minute on Wednesday, but like, he he already looks the part of a coach, dude. Like he, I'm not surprised by this. Yeah. By the, I'm not surprised at all. But he already looks like he's a head coach. I, I think
1: from the probably the day he announced his retirement, he already the wheels were already turning in his head about transitioning into coaching. Pekarine is one of those guys, and like talking about you know football, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, one of those guys where it's like it's not just like their career. Like football is who they are. I think Pecorine with hockey is the same way. I mean, he was. I, I don't know how long it was, but he was working with the Finnish national team for the World Junior Championships, working with their goalies. I, I, it was We got the sense that it was just a matter of time before the, the organization offered him a job at some point. We didn't know what he was going to be doing or where he was going to be. Um, I kind of thought like a special ambassador role for the franchise. Like it's always it's always a good PR move to, to throw Pecorino in front of a bunch of cameras and just let him talk for 30 minutes because <laughs> like everybody loves the guy. And we got to talk to him, I think on the first day of, of camp, And it was great because it was something that he, I think he was looking to transition to. And he also, he also, when we talked to him, he mentioned, he's like, look, it was great to take the last year, spend time with my wife, spend time with my son, be at home more for my family. And I think he kind of was like, I got to do that. And now I'm looking to bring hockey back into my life, albeit on a smaller stage, not working as a starting goaltender every day. And I think this is the perfect role for him. He's going to be working with Ben Vanderklok, and um, I forgot who the other guy is. Uh, Dave Rook, their development, their goaltending development coach, he gets to work with with two of the top goaltending gurus in, in the game. Um, he also gets to work, he gets to be around UC Saros a lot, which is great television for everybody. And I think Askarov <laughs> and, and everyone else that's in the pipeline is going to benefit from him. Like I don't think you're going to see him working too hands on with the NHL roster. I think the the all the young players that's where they're really going to see uh, their development take off is because Pekarina is. This is a controversial issue, whether or not he's a hall of, fam- hall of Famer or not. In my mind, he is a Hall of Fame goaltender. And I think having someone like that, that can bestow upon all your young guys how to play the game, how to do things the right way. Because you got to think, too, Rina even said when he was drafted, he, like, he didn't even think he was going to get drafted. He said he thought that the best he could hope for his career was to play a few games for the Finnish national team and maybe play in an Olympics. That was like his career goals when he was like 17 or 18. And now you look at it, he's you know top 20 in the NHL and wins all time. There's so much that he has done, yeah.
0: yeah,
1: and I just I think it's it's great for him because I could I think this is a good first step for him to get into a full time coaching role. Maybe ben, ben Vanderklok is looking to to move away from coaching. I, I don't
0: know, but he, he I'm telling you he's going to be a coach. He, Pecorine, he, he,
1: I, I think in the next five years, he's going to have a full-time work coaching role in the NHL, whether it's with the yes. Predators or somewhere else. But I can't see him leaving the Predators
0: organization. No, I, I'd be worried if I was Ben Like I'd be worried about Beccarino taking him. And he's one of the best in the business. Like I'd be worried about it. Exactly.
1: Him. And we said the same thing when, when Mitch Korn left, when when Barry Trotz left and he took Mitch Korn with him. We're like, oh, it's going to be really hard to replace him. They pulled Ben, Vander, ben, ben Vanderclock in, yep. don't really miss a beat at all. And now you kind of have the next one. It's like yep. they've had the succession plan in line and goal, and now they have it in coaching as well.
0: All right, let's spend the last few minutes here debating the position battles on the fourth line. Uh, go to Jaspers, go to Weiss Lickers. But this is by far the most interesting part of this, this training camp, which is, again, I have written down, <laughs> I have like 14 names written down for the third line. Now, I think it is pretty obvious that two of those three are Ellie Tolvenin, and they would like it to be Cody Glass. He did not exactly flash on at practice the one day I was there. Um, to me, he looked it's really good mean. in the
1: preseason, though he did. not me, playing with Forsberg and Duchesne. But
0: all right, so h- hear me out and tell me what you think. Ellie Tolvanen is a starting winger on the fourth line. It is a battle between McCarran and Cody Glass to center the fourth line, and then it is twelve dudes fighting for one winger spot on the <laughs> on the fourth line. Whether that's Parsonen, uh, Nermi, Afanasiev, Huntington, Samford. Uh, Sherwood Leonard Cole Smith, Tommy Novak. You name, I'm sure I missed somebody there, <laughs> but like they all kind of feel like the same guy. They all feel pretty talented. Some guys have more pedigree than others, some guys are taller. <laughs> Sanford is a very large dude, some as guys are Nermy. as is nurmi Yes, and nurmi and Sanford were very active at practice. Again, really good practices for those two guys. Uh, you know, I to me. I, I want to, I think Sherwood's farther into this conversation than people think as well.
1: Oh yeah, definitely.
0: What What is, what is, try to narrow it down. Do do you agree with my first premise that it is Tolvenin and then it is McCarron or Glass at center? Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree with everything you just said, which sounds ridiculous that there's 12 guys fighting for one spot, <laughs> but that's exactly what is going on here. And the funny thing is out of those 12 guys, you can't really make a case for one over the other. Like they're all pretty much evenly matched going into, you know, the final couple of preseason games. And I think, I think you're right. The predators want it to be Tolman in with glass centering that line. And then you let the other guys fight it out. And then whoever's the best wins that last spot. But Michael McCarron wasn't terrible playing centering that fourth line last year. He, he got into some fights. He scored a couple goals. Like you could do a lot worse than Michael McCarron as your fourth line center. Tommy Novak, he also had some really good production out of that on that fourth line role last year. I think he had a goal, seven points in like twenty something games. I think Sherwood is someone who's definitely underrated as well, and I wouldn't I wouldn't rule him or Marcus Nurmi out at this point. I think John Leonard might have like an outside shot. I think Zach Sanford was the guy that was brought in who they wanted to take that role, but he just he, he you haven't really noticed him, good or bad. He's just he's just kind of existing out there on the ice. But you look at Leonard and Sherwood. They both had four shots on goal. Sherwood also added a hit and three takeaways. Like I think he's trying to do more to separate himself, and I think he has been a little bit more noticeable than anyone else out there. But you also you look at Nurmi; he had an assist in the preseason game as well. I think he played like twelve minutes. He's six foot five and two hundred five pounds. Like that's the big muscle that you want on the fourth line. So if Nashville still wants to play rock and suck and robots, he would make a lot of sense as well. But that that's the thing of all the twelve guys that you listed. Like I don't think. Any of them have done much to separate themselves. I think Sherwood maybe has separated himself a little bit, but I think they're all very even. And I, I'll say this: I think something that we could see, and we've talked about Parson a lot. I think something that wouldn't be yeah. surprising is to see Yusso Parson as a starting center in that fourth line with Tolven in, and maybe Glass on the wing or or McCarron on the wing. I think they they're really high on Parson in, and I think they're trying to figure out the best role for him because he he's versatile. He's played center. He's played both wing spots. He's really good. You know, he's rock solid. Like he can lay the hit. He's got some speed. He's got pretty much everything that you want out of a forward, except for the 30 goal scoring ability. And I, I think he's, he's a wild card in there. I think he could potentially, I wouldn't rule him out of being the the center for that line, but I think you're right. I think they do want it to be either glass or McCarron, because those are the two guys that have probably the most NHL experience that you would want, you know, kind of centering that bottom line.
0: My, my prediction sure to go wrong in, in on opening night is 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 like ellie tolvin and michael mccarran cody glass those three i think they want you so pa- i think they want you so parson in on that team i just think that he's got a little bit more to go before he gets there i think afanasiyev is very high on their their list as well i think he's got even further to go i think based on you know dollars samford is a very good bet potentially as well and then sherwood and leonard as well so like again like it's hard to parse all this stuff out i think the, the thing with f-
1: sanford is like he wasn't ever promised a spot he was signed for a, a veteran league minimum like if you cut the guy before the season starts like oh well who cares no no one's right. gonna shed a tear over zach sanford i think if i had to guess my best guess would probably be ellie tolvanen and cody glass as you know glass is the center and i think marcus Nurmi, i could see him claiming Ooh, that last spot wow. just, because, just because i think afanasiev i don't think is quite ready yet I agree. Plus, if if you're putting him in the ro- on the roster, you need him to be scoring goals. You don't need him to be the power. Okay. Forward. He is a good power forward, but you need Afanasia for his goal scoring ability. I I, th- I do think they want they're going to give Parson every shot to make this roster, but I think there's just not a spot for, open for him right now. Injuries happen, stuff like that during the regular yes. season. I could see him call all up. these
0: all these guys are going to play at some point during the year. Yeah. Like all but these guys, I, are I, I
1: think it's Glass and Tol- Tolven in for sure, and then I I could see Nurmi maybe making his way up there, and if not Nermi, then I could see McCarron.
0: And then, and again, Sanford, Parson, and Sherwood all in the mix. Um, I think Novak, Smith, Leonard, Huntington, Afanasiev are guys that are in the back half of that conversation. Uh, but it will be interesting to see. And again, I think every one of these names we've talk- talked about is going to be on the team. Here's what's really interesting about this. And the good which thing of, about
1: all those guys, if they don't make the roster, like Milwaukee's going to be loaded.
0: Yes. And what's really interesting about this conversation is which of these guys do they think can develop into something more than a fourth liner? and it's more than one of them it's Tolvanen it's Nurmi it's Parsonen it's Glass like there's Afanasiyev like there's a few of these guys that they that that should everything go their way that they're challenging for higher spots on in the starting lineup the problem right now and it's a good problem for preds fans to have is that there is no spot in the top 6 right now for now yeah. until until an injury there's no way you're breaking up the third line so like there's just not a lot of spots to put guys should they develop into better players. And so that that is a good problem to have. I think that ties into how how fast this team is, how talented their forward group is, even if they're young and inexperienced. It is a different looking team than I've seen since I started covering them in 2016. It, it's just a different style team. And there's a lot of turnover over the last three years. We talked about the off-season strategies on a previous pod, so go check that out. Um, but I, I am more and more excited about this group and their potential big word there than I have been in a while. I I think it's going to take some time for it to all click, but I do think there's reason for Preds fans to be pretty excited about this team.
1: And I think that's a good thing too, because we talked about after the the cup final run, what was, what was the predators, the worst thing that they had to deal with, with let's run it back. Let's keep the same guys here. Let's take another shot at this. And they did that for three years and they failed for three years. Now we're starting to see, I think it's a great thing that we're talking about this is a different team they're a lot faster they have a different identity there's different there's a collection of different players because traditionally we saw the the let's run it back mentality where it was the same guys and if they if it wasn't the same guy they replaced them with a player that has the same skill set now we're seeing a variety of speed skill, scoring defense everything out there and I, i think the predators are ultimately going to be a better team for it i think they will be contenders in the central division this year I don't think they're going to knock off the Avalanche anytime soon, but I do think they're in a better position than they were last year
0: to yep. do so. That just about does it for this week. Next week on "It's All Your Fault" podcast, you guys will announce and introduce the new co-host of that show. Exciting stuff there, and then of course on our episode Gold Standard next week, we will give you our official final, unofficial predictions for the Central Division for the Predators playoff picks, Stanley Cup, all that, all that good stuff. We got to do it. We're, we're required by law to do that. When it comes to sports content. Make sure you're checking out the Nashville scene and the Nashville Post for all great coverage, of course, for Michael all over the website there. Good stuff for via via the written word, so make sure you check that out. Of course, special thanks to our sponsors, Weiss, liquors and Jaspers. Make sure you go check out the Jaspers specials during Pred's home and road games. Michael, good talking to you, buddy. Have a great weekend. We got hockey games next week. We We will talk about actual hockey games next week. For Michael. That's right. I'm got. I got my sweatshirt on right now. For Michael, I am Braden. Thanks for hanging out. Rate, review, subscribe. Check out all the other great shows from the Full Forty Sports Network. This has been the Gold Standard.